You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. God wants his people to prosper, and I believe that he's anointed me to help you to prosper, to go from one level to another level all year, and we're going to break poverty and lack and scarcity, unfulfilled desire over your life. It's going to take you to another level of abundance in God. Come on, take this journey with me. How to win our prosperity edition 2024. Are you ready to break free from the chains of anxiety, stress, and depression? Mike Moore, author and founding pastor of Faith Chapel and host of the How to Win podcast, is here with his new book, Help, My Mind is Under Attack. Learn how to overcome attacks on your mind and live an emotionally healthy life. Grab your copy now, available as ebook on Amazon and paperback on MikeMoore.com. Embark on your journey to complete mental health and emotional peace. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Listen, I'm so glad to have you. I am fired up. I am in my prosperity edition. I get so fired up when I talk on prosperity because God has anointed me. God has called called me to help you to prosper. So we began a series in our last episode entitled Lacking Nothing. The series theme is Living Life as God Intended. Now, each one of these lessons, and this is a four-lesson series, uh, each one of these lessons have a subtopic. Now, Lacking Nothing is our overall uh, uh, series title, but our subject title, subtopic for today is The Origin of Lack. The Origin of Lack. Oh, this is just going to be really good. No, let's, let's, let's introduce this and let's talk about origin. Origin has to do with history. I'm, I'm going to walk you through this. It has to do with history. When you talk about the origin of the thing, it has to do with history. Now, history helps us to know where we came from and how everything got started. Where we came from, how everything got started is history. And we're talking about how did lack get started. History helps us to understand how events in the past made things the way they are today. How things that happened in the past. See, we're we're experiencing a world full of poverty and lack and scarcity. How did this thing get started? How did what happened in the past has caused what we're experiencing today? Understanding history, listen at this, understanding history of lack help us to realize that teachings on divine prosperity, that's financial material prosperity, 
are not some extraneous false doctrines made up by man. And, and you see, when you teach in this area, and the Spirit of God, years ago when he began to put this assignment on my life and to lead me in this direction, he said that prosperity comes with persecution. Prosperity comes with persecution. So I anticipate a level of uh, persecution because the word persecute means to put to flight. I understand, according to Mark 4, that when the word is sown, Satan cometh immediately to take away the word. And one of the ways he uh, does it is through persecution. That's why this subject of, of prosperity is so controversial, because Satan doesn't want people uh, to listen. Now, let, let's talk. We, history of it, though, will help us to see that prosperity, teaching on prosperity can be extreme, just like teaching on holiness can be extreme. Just like teaching on uh, uh, giving can be extreme. But just because something is taught in the extreme doesn't mean that the subject is error or wrong. So history helps us to understand the history of lack, helps us understand that this teachings, biblical teachings on financial material prosper is not an extraneous, not extraneous doctrines, something disconnected from uh, the Bible and the word of God. So, so let's talk now. How did lack get started? Talking about the origin of lack, Romans 5, 12, and we'll look at it today in the Passion Translation. When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin in it, human experience, and death was the result. So death followed this sin Casting his shadow over all humanity because all have sin. So let's go back to the book of beginnings. Let's go back to uh, Adam and Eve in the beginning. Now, listen carefully. I'm going to walk you through the past. I'm going to walk you through history. You can make a mental note or you can write down notes of the things that I'm going to say. Notice in the beginning, Adam lived with his wife Eve in the Garden of Eden, and everything was perfect. Abundance of everything that they needed was there in the garden. They had abundance in the beginning. And God then instructed Adam to freely eat of the trees in the garden except one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice, not the tree of good and evil, but the tree of the knowledge or the experiential knowledge of both good and evil. God did not want man to experience both good and evil. At this point in history, man only knew good. 
and God said it is good. All through the creation uh, events recorded in Genesis 1, and, and God said it was good, and God did this, and then God said it was good, and, and then God made man, and it was good. Now watch this. So it was God's plan in the beginning that man only experience good. God expected Adam to live and enjoy abundance by his word. Now, that's really important. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So in the beginning, it was God's intent that man enjoy. God stocked this environment with abundance and good, and then God intended for man to multiply it and to replenish and fill the earth with good. But God intended for man to live by his word and by man's words. That's how God created everything, with words, faith in his words. So God intended for Adam to continue to experience and multiply abundance and, and fill the earth with the good through faith in his word. Now listen carefully. Since the trees and the fruit in the garden were created by God's word, God intended his word to be the source of Adam's well-being and not the fruit of the trees. Now, I slow that down. You see, the trees in the garden and the fruit on the trees in the garden represented an abundant life. But the trees that Adam could eat from and the fruit that Adam could eat from was created by God's word. So God intended for his word to be the source of Adam's well-being, not the tree, not the fruit on the tree. Catch that. The word created the tree. The word created the fruit. And God intended for Adam to live by the word of God and not by the tree and the fruit on the tree. Now, follow me. Adam disobeyed God's instructions. If you read the Genesis account in Genesis chapter three, Adam disobeyed and ate from the forbidden tree. The essence, and many people don't realize this, so this may be a revelation for you. The essence of Adam's disobedience was that he decided to choose the fruit over the word. He decided to choose the fruit over the word. Now, remember, the fruit was a product of the word, but Adam in his disobedience, rather than choosing the word and living off the word, he decided to live off the fruit of the tree. Now, follow me. 
We make the same mistake when we choose work and the fruit of our work, money, over God's work. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. We may work two jobs. We may work three jobs. We may work 20 hours. Why? Because we want the fruit. We want the money. So working now takes away time that we could get in the word. So we are really trying to live off of the fruit of our efforts rather than living off God's word. I hope you're following me now. Here in Romans 5.12, we're told that Adam's disobedience had consequences that affected the entire world. What Adam, as the federal head of the human race, did in relation to disobeying God impacted the entire world. The scripture says that disobedience opened the door to death and then death entered the world and entered into the human experience. Death became a part of life, uh, everyday life. God never intended for man to experience life and death, life and death. We live in a world now where there's the experience of life and the experience of death. Now, the word death, let's, let's, let's look at this word death because the Bible says when Adam sinned, death entered into the world. So let's look at the word death, and, and I want to expand your thinking of the word death. And remember, we're talking about the origin of life. The word death means separation from God. Write that down. Make a mental note. In the same way that prosperity is comprehensive, death is comprehensive. Okay, let's back up, Mike. Back up, Mike. In the same way that prosperity is comprehensive, death is comprehensive. Okay, let's talk about the comprehensive nature of prosperity. God taught me many years that every man on planet Earth, black, white, red, yellow, brown, whether you be a male or female, regardless of your economic status and ethnicity, background, nationality, has five basic needs. Spiritual, mental and emotional, number two. Physical, number three. Socially or relationally, number four. And financial, number five. Every person has these five basic needs. Spiritual, mental, and emotional. Spiritual has to do with your walk with God, your connection with God, your obedience to God, the Word of God, growing in God. That's your spiritual well-being, intimacy with God. Mental and emotional has to do with your soul, your mind, your emotions, and being healthy in that area. Physical has to do with your body, health in your body, wholeness in your body, and then socially is relational. It has to do with your relationships, your marriage, or your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your children, your relationships at work. It has to do with relationships. And then fifthly, financial. That's financial 
and material. Every person has five basic needs. So when we talk about prosperity, and even though this is my financial material prosperity edition of how to win, I do understand that God wants us to prosper spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, socially in our relationships and financially. That's what I mean by comprehensive prosperity is when you prosper in all five areas. Comprehensive. It's not my assignment in this edition of how to win to deal with these other areas. I know these other areas are important. So when you hear me talking about money and finances and giving and about material things, it's not because I think that's all there is to life, but that's what this edition is all about. Because last year, my edition was on leadership, and that's all I talked about was leadership. Okay, got that? In the same way that prosperity is comprehensive, death is comprehensive. It manifests in different forms. So let's walk this out. Death manifests in spiritual death. Spiritual death. Spiritual death is the separation of one's spirit from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, in the garden, they die spiritually. You are a spirit being. You have a soul, my emotions, and you live in a physical body. Okay, but you're looking at me. If you're watching this uh, this podcast right now, then you're you're looking at my physical body. But the real me is on the inside. The real me is spirit. I'm a spirit being. I'm a human spirit. On the, and it's my spirit that's giving life to everything that I'm doing right now. It's my spirit that connects to God, my spirit that has a relationship with God. I can't know God with my physical body because God is not a physical person. So I know God in my spirit. God is a spirit. So Adam and Eve was connected to God, had intimacy with God through their spirit. When Adam sinned and Eve sinned, he died on the inside. So no, now he has no connection with God. He's separated from God spiritually because God is a spirit. So he's, that's what spiritual death is. It's being separated spiritually on the inside from God. It's having your spirit being dead or disconnected from God. So spiritual death is the very first form of death that took place when Adam sinned. Next is physical death. Physical death is separation of one's spirit and soul from the body. At physical death is when my soul and spirit separates this from the body. And you see the person in the casket. When you see the person at the funeral lying in the casket, their body line, that's not the person. That is the body of the person. The body is the house that we live in. It's the vehicle that we uh, exercise our journey in life. So at physical death, my soul and my spirit leaves my physical body. So when Adam sinned, Adam and Eve did not die physically. It was hundreds of years before they died physically. They died spiritually. Then hundreds of years they died physically. 
physically. If they had not died spiritually, they would have never died physically. The third form of death is eternal death. Now, eternal death is separation from God forever, first in hell, then in the lake of fire. See, when we die, every person that dies, their soul and spirit will separate from their body and our soul and spirit will go somewhere. If we're born again, our soul and spirit will go to heaven. If we're not born again, we're unsaved, then our soul and spirit will go to a place the Bible calls hell. Now, hell is a a, a, a place, but it's not the final destination of the unbeliever. In other words, when a person is convicted of a crime, they may be sent to the county jail. And after the trial, they will, after the trial and conviction, they will be transferred from the city jail to prison. Okay, when a person died unsaved, they will go to a place in the world of the spirit called hell is a holding place. Then in the in the last eternal days of, uh, of mankind, before all this thing wraps up, there will be another judgment at the great white throne at the great white throne. Every unsaved person will be convicted because their works won't, met, won't measure up. Because they didn't accept Jesus' works, they tried to enter in through their own works. So they're going to be condemned and cast into the lake of fire. That is eternal death, to be eternally separated from God. The fourth kind of death is physical sickness. Many people don't realize that sickness is a form of death. It is the separation uh, from God's health. That's all sickness is, is separation from God's health. The next form of death is mental illness, mental illness. Mental illness is a form of death. It is separation from God's mind, his thoughts, is separation from God's peace. Another form of death is ignorance. Ignorance is separation from God's knowledge. And then another form of death is divorce. Many people don't realize this. God never intended for men to experience divorce. Divorce is a form of death. It is separation from God's plan for marriage. And when you separate from God's plan for marriage and try to do marriage in a worldly way, you will experience first emotional death, emotional death, and then uh, physical separation that we call divorce. So people are usually divorced before they get divorced. In other words, there's a separation emotionally that leads to a physical separation that we call divorce, but it's a form of death. Racial prejudice and racism is a form of death. It's separation from God's plan of unity. And then finally, as it relates to our subject, lack is a form of death. It's separation from God's provision.
Adam and Eve, once they sinned, they got separated them from the garden, put an angel at their garden, kicked them out the garden, and they were separated from abundance in the garden. That's a form of death. Lack is a form of death. Now notice this. So when the Bible says, when Adam sinned, death entered into the world, all these forms of death entered in. None of this was a part of man's existence. Spiritual death, physical death, eternal death, physical sickness, mental illness, ignorance, divorce, racial prejudice, racism, lack, so forth and so on. This is not an exhaustive list, but we see that death manifests itself in many forms and in relations to what we're talking about, lack is a form of death. Now watch this. So let's talk about the fall of man because many times we talk about uh, the fall of man, but what is the fall of man? Here's a proof text, and I want you to get this because understanding how things got started is so important. In Genesis 3, 17 through 19, we have man having fallen. God comes on the scene and he begins to speak judgment, judgment on the serpent, judgment on Adam, judgment on Eve. And in effect, it's judgment on the whole world because death came into the human experience. God never experienced, expected us. Even storms and tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis and and firestorms and snowstorms and all this stuff that's destroying people was never a part of God's plan. It was not the way. All this is a form of death. So in Genesis 3, 17 through 19, I read it from the New Living Translation. It says, and to the man, he said, since you listen to your wife, God is talking to Adam. Since you listen to your wife and ate from the tree, whose knowledge from the tree, whose fruit I command you not to eat. He said, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle. Now, now listen, this is a part of the curse. He said, because you listened to your wife, Adam, and you ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living, to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground, for you were made from the dust, and to the dust you will return. A part of this curse, we're talking about the origin of black. In verse 17, God says, you're going to scratch a living. You're going to stretch a living. The word stretch a living means to earn barely enough to live on. 
Now that is so, I mean, dramatically different than what God intended for them to just, just scratch out a living, barely have enough to live on. That was never God's plan. There was no lack until Satan tempted Adam and Eve and they yielded to his temptation. So really, Listen carefully. You're going to hear something you may have never heard before. You may not have thought about it like this because we talk about the fall of man. We say Adam fell, the fall of man. What was the fall of man? What was it? What define it for me? Give me a revelation of the fall of man. Well, let's look at the word fall. Let's define the word fall. The word fall means to move downward. To come down from a higher position. If I'm on a stage and I fall, I fall from the stage to the steps or to the floor, that's a fall. I came down. If I'm walking upright and I trip and fall, I am moving down from walking upward to tripping and lying on the ground. I came down. So Adam was created to enjoy abundance out of his spirit. Out of his what? Spirit. But remember now, Adam's spirit died when he sinned. But God intends for him to live out of his spirit. He intends for us to live out of our spirit, to enjoy abundance out of our spirit. Joshua 1 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on this book of the law day and night. You must observe to do this book of the law and then you will make your way prosperous, the Lord says, and you'll have good success. Now notice God connects prosperity, good success to the word of God. The Bible also says in Proverbs 4, 20 through 223, Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For my word is life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Guard your heart with all diligence, verse 23, for out of your heart flows the issues of life. Now notice, God says that out of my heart, my spirit will flow forces that will produce life for me. Then Matthew 12, 35 says a good man out of the good deposit of his heart, 
will bring forth good things. Now notice it doesn't say God. It says a good man by what he deposits in his heart, he'll be able, and you you do that with your mouth, he'll be able to bring forth good things. I put that word in my heart and I speak that word and then my words become go-getters and my words will bring good things to me. And then Mark 26, 28 says, so is the kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed into the ground. The ground represents the human heart, the spirit. And it says, once he casts seed into the ground, he'll sleep and rise night and day. And then the seed that hath been planted in the heart will bring forth. It will come forth. What is planted in the heart will bring forth. But he doesn't know how it produces. But the scripture says that the earth bring forth first the blade, then the ear, then the four corn in the ear, and then the man puts in the sickle and gathers the harvest. Now notice the ground, the earth is the human spirit. And whatever I put in my spirit, because the spirit of man is the production center. It's where production takes place. So if I put soap operas in my spirit, I'm not saying soap operas are a sin. If I put social media in my spirit, not saying social media is a sin. If I put just sports events in my spirit, uh, uh, then that's what my spirit is going to produce. If I put gossip in my spirit, that's what it's going to produce. Now, if I put the word of God in my spirit and I sow different kinds of seed, if I listen to healing, teaching on healing, it will produce healing. If I listen to teaching on marriage and a fulfilled marriage, then my heart will produce that. If I listen to teaching on prosperity and I put that in my spirit and speak that out of my mouth, then it will produce that. Now notice the heart is the production center. God intended for man to live out of his spirit, to live out of his spirit. If you don't put the word in your spirit, because see the word of God is spirit food in the same way. Listen now in the same way that your body needs physical food to survive and to thrive. And if you cut off physical food for days, you're going to become weak physically. And if you cut totally shut off food, and water, you're going to die. So in the same way that the body needs physical food, your spirit, the real you on the inside, needs spiritual food. The word of God is spiritual food. Prayer to God is spiritual food. Praying in tongues is feeding your spirit uh, food. So now you can live out of your spirit. God intended for Adam to live out of his spirit. God intends for you to live out of your spirit. We're talking about what is the fall. Once his spirit died and got shut down, he could no longer live out of his spirit. 
because the spirit is dead. So what does he live out of? He lives out of his intellect. He lives out of his work, his hands. So now Adam is living out of intelligence, educating his mind, education, education, education. And education is good. You should educate your mind. That's good stewardship. But man, not only live out of an educated mind, he live out of mind geared to human reasoning. Now he's reasoning things based off a human standard. He living now off common sense, what everybody else thinks. He's living intellectually and he's living by his hands. He's living out of his work, his efforts. So now he has to work three and four jobs. Now he has to work double shifts. Now he has to work because now he's trying to enjoy abundance through his hands, through his work. So Adam falls down to living out of his intellect just education and living out of his hands, his human effort, his work. That's what the fall is all about. That's what the fall is. If you're living out of education, logic, human reasoning, common sense, and you're living by working, 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 and you never feed your spirit, then you're operating under the curse. You're operating the way men operate after the fall. No, God intends for you to live out of your spirit. I wanted you to see in this lesson that lack goes way back to the garden. Man became separated from God's provision way back in the garden. Way back in the garden. Way back in the garden, God put Adam and Eve out of the garden of abundance, put an angel with a flaming sword to keep man from getting back in. Now man is outside. Watch this. Jesus came to bring restoration, to restore what man had lost. So the first thing that Jesus did on the cross was he died spiritually. He died in his spirit. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's separated from God now spiritually. He had never been separated from God. So he's becoming what man was. But then he was raised from the dead so that we could return back to a living out of our spirit. And that's what the new birth is all about. It is it is causing a man's spirit to become alive. He has a brand new spirit on the inside. So now after the new birth, we are not limited to education, intellect. We should develop our minds, should get degrees and do all that. That's good stewardship. And we should work. Work was given before the curse. It's not a curse. We should work with our hands. But now we have an edge that we cannot just live by our hands and our intellect. We live by out our spirits. That's what being born again. Now my spirit is alive. Now I can feed my spirit with the word, fill it up with the word. It comes out of my mouth. And now I'm not just living by education. I'm not just living by hard work. I'm living out of my spirit. 
So I have an edge on the world. Unbelievers can only live out of their heads, education, logic, human reasoning, and their efforts, their hands. So you and I, believer, have an advantage because we maximize our brains. We engage in work. But that's not our source. Our source is we can operate out of our spirits. So lack started in the garden. Jesus restored uh, our right to live out of our spirits, out of our hearts. So now lack can no longer dominate our lives. I hope you got some out of that. I'm out of time. I know that was a lot of information, but you got to go back. Go back to MikeMoore.com, download my app, go to YouTube, and it's there, and listen over and over and over and over. Now, we're not finished. This is a four-lesson series, and we've covered two episodes. Well, we got two more to go. Listen, I love you, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Are you ready to break free from the chains of anxiety, stress, and depression? Mike Moore, author and founding pastor of Faith Chapel and host of the How to Win podcast, is here with his new book, Help, My Mind is Under Attack. Learn how to overcome attacks on your mind and live an emotionally healthy life. Grab your copy now, available as ebook on Amazon and paperback on MikeMoore.com. Embark on your journey to complete mental health and emotional peace.